Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo, live in our next season of the podcast here. The 2022-2023 season of Pokemon is officially started, and there's no pandemic so far <laughs> to take it down. We still got the ongoing one, but there's no nothing new to disrupt the flow, uh, and we're feeling really good. Yeah, I'm motivated as I'll get out to get back to worlds. I'm really excited. Actually, I, I, one of the most recent announcements is that locals are coming back. I'm actually really excited for locals. I haven't really realized how much I miss them until I went to that 2K tournament a, a yeah. month or so ago. And it's just fun to, to have those recurring tournaments in the small scale. Do you miss locals or do you miss winning? That is a great <laughs> And it's it's probably winning. I like to have fun when I play the Pokemon trading card game. And for me, there's fun to be had with the mechanics of the game. There's fun to be had with the interaction of the opponent. But the ultimate expression of fun is to win. <laughs> and so I have the yeah. most fun when I'm winning. Facts, bro. And so, yeah, you're, you're probably right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited for this season. Before we dive in too much, just how have things been going over last week? It's been good. I'm on paternity leave, so I've been doing some random things around the house. My wife threw me a 30th birthday party Ooh. on Sunday. So that was three weeks or three days ago, I should say. <laughs> Um, Sunday further back than I thought it was. I know, true, true facts for sure. <laughs> but we made some fried chicken and we had some angel food cake yeah. and had some friends over, obviously. Dankus was here. It was great. I mean, you're getting kind of old, man. Shouldn't you be careful with like your cholesterol or whatever? I mean, you know, one one chicken wing isn't gonna hurt. <laughs> You don't have like lingering back pains or dude. I um, actually, to, I've never had recurring back pain or recurring knee pain or <laughs> any kind of recurring bodily pain. But today I kid you not. I had a little bit of a, <laughs> like a tightness, <laughs> oh, a tightness no. in my back. You gotta start doing your stretches, bro. Dude, I really do, man. <laughs> it's a, it's a thing. You gotta start stretching. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know. I, I did something else and it and it kind of alleviated that, but in any case, <laughs> something else being sketchy about what you did with your to your Charlie horse. <laughs> yeah, something like that. All right. <laughs> How are you though? I'm doing well. Uh, last week was a total nightmare for me. Um, just I had so many things on my plate, and finally, like today, is I've crossed the threshold and I'm like back in the light zone. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, things are overall going pretty well. I, have you seen the new, like Lord of the Rings show? I'm loving that. A friend and I yes. are watching that every weekend. My, my wife and I are watching it. I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan just generally, but I know what's happening and it's kind of fun to see, Oh, here's this guy who in the original trilogy is, you know, has some importance. Or yeah. Here's the connection, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's cool. So I, I think my wife still gets really mad at me because for a lot of these 
characters i'm like oh who's that like what's their backstory and she's like of course i don't know like you know that's a that's a minor character never showed up you know and i'm like assuming that she knows all this lore <laughs> that's preposterous for her to know but other than that it's been a lot of fun i think the the worm was really fun yeah i think the the orcs are kind of fun i love a good orc i was telling telling my friend last time we were watching i think there's something just so silly and fun about a creature that just exists to be evil right like an orc like what business do they have when they like crawl through someone's home and just look to cause trouble (laughs) you know (laughs) it's not like a survival instinct they just want to do bad things they're just baddies man implicitly it's in their very nature to do bad things which i think is very funny (laughs) that'd be kind of a fun spinoff of a spinoff if they had just the orcs that were good guys (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like a nine to five. Into, yeah yeah right exactly that'd be go to fun, the office fun little side project <laughs> well nevertheless we got plenty of poke ahead of us we got the baltimore regional this coming weekend and in just a few weeks we got the first lost origins tournament legal in north america in peoria so plenty of cool stuff ahead before we dive any bit more into the new season though do got to give a quick plug for our merchandise. It is available now on flexdaddy.card shop. If you head over there, you can find our beautiful pieces. Shout out to Senior Doom for getting those made for us. Um, yeah, the t-shirts look incredible. Or the long sleeve tees look yeah. amazing. I really think that they came together well. We've been selling quite a few. So if you have you know specific extreme sizes, uh, you might want to get those orders in sooner rather than later. Obviously, we've made you know according to like a little bell curve of sizing uh, how many shirts that we have. So it's been great. Yeah, I put out my first set of orders on Monday. And yeah, thank you guys so much for all the support so far. And if you're still looking to get a shirt, you can go over to my website, flexdaddy.cards slash shop. You can find them there. This is something JW and I are just generally super excited about. We've been talking about this for so long. Uh, so hopefully our excitement is, you know, audible and visible if you're watching or listening. Uh, go check it out. You know, worst case, you don't you don't want it, but we think it's a cool piece. Yeah, I feel really cool wearing it. <laughs> Walking around just like it just makes me feel. I know like i can win anything i'm excited to show up with some tournaments rocking the verge for sure speaking of which it's the new season of pokemon jw and before we start talking about baltimore uh, i know this isn't on our docket but i throw a little wrench at you what are some of your goals for this season i'm thinking maybe three you know goals that are you know, realistic i'm going to achieve these this year and then mm-hmm. one you know big fat hairy audacious goal the far-reaching one that would make your season if you achieved it sure so i think the realistic goal would be to win a regional i'm trying to outpace you and andrew (laughs) you guys are only one behind so (laughs) if you were to ever win a regional then that would would win another regional i should say (laughs) That would bring kind of my credibility down a little bit. So I, I'm trying to keep ahead of you guys because I know – and Andrew literally said this in the group chat. He was like, my goal for playing this year 
is so that JW is not the only one with two regional wins in this chat. Uh, he texts me all the time how he thinks it's a, it's a dang shame that you're the only one. <laughs> no. He does. Well, he just, out of the blue, hey, man, been thinking last night. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> I want to see that. Uh, think, think about how much I hate the fact that JW has two regional wins. <laughs> He's salty, man. Well. He's a hater, bro. I'm Can't a hater, be happy honestly. for me. Yeah, oh, that's fair. Anyway, I, I really would like to, you know, spike another tournament. It's so hard when you – I'm not going to every tournament, right? So automatically, like, I have maybe half a dozen chances, and that's kind of looking on the optimistic side. Um, but it would be nice, especially with these tournaments like Peoria. It would be a great one, right? If we can put in some time here in the next couple of weeks, find a deck that we feel really comfortable with that's um, – you know, testing very well for us. I think that's those new format. Um, those new format tournaments are a great time to put yourself very far ahead of other players yeah. while the metagame is still developing. So I'd love to re win a regional. I think that's doable um, always, but just like that's kind of a goal for me this season. Obviously make it to Worlds because Ann and I are planning a trip around Japan. Um, we're going to go either way. Whether I make it or not, we're going to go enjoy our time there. So it'd be fun to play in the tournament. I got a really nice taste of, like, like it was like slight world success, right? <laughs> it's just like a little bite of of world success where it's like, okay, I made it to day two. This was my first day two of the worlds that I played in. But I didn't quite get over the hump of, of getting any cool swag yeah. or, you know, making that, I don't know, top 32, I guess, would be kind of, you know, where you think of as – especially after playing in day one, a top 32 finish is like, that was a really good tournament, you know? Um, so I just felt right on the cusp of that. And that's got me really motivated uh, to make another world's run if I can. And then I'd like to, if possible, I'd, I really don't know if this is going to work out, but would love to go to an IC outside of the United States. Yeah. Those are all very noble goals. The outside of the United States IC cannot recommend enough. Awesome experiences every time I've, I've done so. On my end, I, I kind of have similar goals, honestly. Like, I definitely want to qualify for Worlds this year as kind of a baseline goal. Uh, I'm super excited when they announce Japan. I've always wanted to go to Japan my whole life, pretty much. And it's just an awesome excuse to, like, just go ahead and finally do it with my friends, you know, who yeah. also qualify. So it'll be really awesome. Um, for me, I'm going to just take a little bit of a, a twist. I definitely do want to win another regional, but I also want to demonstrate some of that consistency as well. So I would like to top eight or better at two to three regionals as a minimum this season. I think that's doable. I had a really solid run in the, the last half of mm -hmm. the return to this season. Um, so I'm looking to kind of just like emulate that success again. And how many, how many tournaments are you going to? tbd on the final number but i have a bunch that i've already confirmed that i'm okay. gonna go to um i have a little notepad where i'm tracking all the ones i definitely want to go to okay so what are you thinking like uh 10 8 somewhere in like that 8 to 10 yeah okay. i think um and then for like a third more reasonable goal um i want to make more of an active effort to be more involved with my local community um, I think one thing that I kind of lacked since moving to Madison was not really having a, a good feeling of being in touch with my local community, um, mm -hmm. partly because many of my friends were in Ohio and I kind of like 
they're still my main Pokemon friends, hence me recording this podcast with you. <laughs> um, but I would love to be more involved locally. And I don't know how exactly I would want that to manifest, but um, I don't want to feel like so isolated from the other people who enjoy Pokemon in the area. Yeah, for sure. That's and really I think cool. locals returning is a great way to hopefully work on that. I have a really hard time justifying going to locals if there's not anything yeah. online. Yeah, I'm kind of locals hits me in like an interesting spot because i enjoy like seeing the familiar faces and like uh particularly like especially in, like the league cup space right mm-hmm. is i enjoy seeing the familiar faces and like competing against the local scene you get to get like metagame for it a little bit um but also my gripe with like league cups is they can become a little bit of a grind and a slog it, because it feels like they consume all the weekends that aren't already consumed by like a regional um mm-hmm. if you let them at least so it, to, one thing I, is I also want to be a little bit more thoughtful and not just like burn myself out by going to locals constantly, even after they're back. Like I want to have a, a healthy balance between enjoying Pokemon and participating in it while also, you know, respecting other activities and myself. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fair. They can be a grind and they can be really soul sucking, especially if you get in a, in a rut. Yeah. Right. Like there's a lot of times where there are just either it lines up with your schedule or the local stores in your area all scheduled their tournaments, you know, kind of in a row in one format. And then, you know, maybe you just aren't comfortable with that format or the decks that you bring are being hard countered or whatever it is. But you find yourself where you just can't quite make any headway in those local scenes for for a while. And that can be really, really disappointing. So. Avoiding burnout in those is something we'll certainly be talking about on the cast this year. Absolutely. I think those are, those are notable goals. My big fat hairy audacious is the top eight worlds this year. <laughs> uh, see, the top eight worlds is like such a, it's such a tease. It is. I think top the top four, four then, right? We'll, we'll the call it a top four, four for like, the trophy. Right, right. Yeah. The top four trophy card. The cards go for an insane amount, I'm I'm learning. I knew that they were <laughs> very, very expensive, but I've done a little the bit more The magnitude digging. of it is... It's crazy out there. Yeah. I, so. Sure. Let's call it top four, then, would be the big fat yeah, Top four is, is, the, is the goal. Yeah. Top eight is really nice. Would take that in a heartbeat. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the top four, it's like when you make it to top eight, it's just like... Ooh, just why couldn't I have had a little bit more luck? I know, I know. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm super excited to dive into this season. Then, so let's start from the top. This weekend, we have the Baltimore Regional Championship, and it's still in the Pokemon Go Astral Radiance format. So, coming right off the back of Worlds here, playing the same format. But I think both you and I agree that there's been some shifts over the course of the last few weeks coming out of the World Championship. Uh, People have grown a fondness for or maybe less of a fondness of certain decks over time. JW, Mm -hmm. what are some of your initial thoughts as we gear up for Baltimore this weekend? Great question. I think that the meta has shifted. Uh, Not significantly, but there are some decks that I look at after reviewing the results and playing against some of these decks at Worlds that I say those might be a little bit more uh, well-positioned for kind of the meta. It's just evolved that one little step further. And my main deck, if I were going to Baltimore this weekend, the deck that I would play in a heartbeat is Radiant Charizard. Now, Radiant Charizard, you play it with 
um, you know, maybe some other attackers, but the Intellion line, and you're just trying to, you know, do just enough and make all your combo pieces work so that you can take, uh, you know, your, your prizes. And it's usually like right at the end of the game, right? Your opponent gets down to one prize left, and then you take your last uh, prizes with the Radiant Charizard deck. There's a lot of sequencing that goes on, so it's not going to be a deck that I would necessarily be teching against or be worried about because there's a lot of thinking, there's a lot of knowing what's in your prizes. Um, you know, knowing when to try to dig a little farther, knowing what to set up in your hand. And it can also be really disrupted by cards like Marnie and Roxanne, so having game plans around those as well. But it's a very solid deck. It can beat pretty much anything in the format. Ross Cawthon, who took it to a top 16 finish, was one win away from making the top eight, and I think he ended up tying his last round from what I heard. So had a really good chance there to make top eight with the list. And that would be something that I'd be drawn to if I was going to Baltimore, because it seems like it has a lot of answers to the top decks. Yeah, I agree. The deck is super, super strong. And one thing that's impressed me is how well it can fare against flying Pikachu specifically. It feels like a deck that relies so heavily on Radiant Charizard to spit out its damage would struggle there. But the right combination of swinging with Inteleon and cross switchers and boss plays, you can really put a dent in that in that strategy. Um, I think where the only thing that I don't like about the Radiant Charizard deck personally is I think the mirror really, really sucks. Uh, it just mm -hmm. feels like a first attack always wins kind of situation. Sure. Because um, there's no real disruption. Yeah, like this. you're not really playing disruption in these Radiant Charizard lists. Um, and it wouldn't really serve you that well anyway if you did. So, because yeah, I mean, that means you're, you're not playing to, like a Raihan or something. Right. You're trying to amass the resources into your hand, not necessarily disrupt your opponent. So, maybe you could play a Roxanne, you know, and that's a huge maybe. And that doesn't even necessarily guarantee you the game. So, but I, I agree would the agree. deck is, yeah. is super strong. It has a lot of outs versus pretty much every V Star and V Max based mm -hmm. deck, especially. Mm -hmm. And it's a blast to play too. Like the the big brain feeling of go, going for those crazy rare candy Inteleon, Raihan type of plays is is unmatched. Yeah, rare candy Inteleon, double cross switcher, Raihan to the Charizard to get the you know stadium and stadium you know, <laughs> attach again. And yeah, I, I mean it it can get really crazy the stuff you can do with that deck. So again, I wouldn't be worried about too many people playing it. Ergo, I wouldn't be worried about playing the mirror if you are playing the Radiant Charizard deck. Yeah, yeah. But it certainly is um, a solid deck. My top choice heading into this weekend. And one that I—I I mean, I'm not—I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple in the top eight. To be honest with you, there, even though it's kind of a a more recent deck in the metagame. Do you have any thoughts on the Vikavolt deck that plays kind of similarly, honestly, in the end game as Radiant Charizard, but it has that Vikavolt opener? Yeah. Have you put any thought into that at all? I really haven't. I have based my opinion on that deck on the finishes of some of the best players in the world <laughs> at, at Worlds this year. And no one really did that well. Um, a lot of the Team Limitless guys toward played it. And nobody, I don't, to my recollection, nobody made top 16 with the list, although I could be wrong on that. But um, didn't have kind of the, it had the representation from the best, from the, some of the better players, some of the people that I really look up to in, in the game in terms of their gameplay. and just kind of fell flat so yeah i don't 
necessarily see that as being a particularly large threat. I wouldn't, again, be worried about it. But, hey, maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe they just ran cold that day. Um, but it wouldn't be a deck that I would choose. Yeah, I think there's something to the strategy, but there's also a lot to be said for a more straightforward, consistent Radiant Charizard deck that leans harder into the strategy. Um, yeah. And I think that's where you know the Ross Kaufman variant of the deck really shines. Well, I think, too, the meta, I think will sh there will still be a plenty of Palkia, but I think Palkia will be a little lesser of a presence you have a lot i've i've actually heard a lot of people talking about just different arceus variants particularly arceus agron as like oh that's a new deck that's kind of cute and i might want to play that and so you know as the meta shifts just like slightly more away from palky i think that's probably your best matchup with the deck so just into more arceus based builds that can get a turn to attack for 180 and just start beating your vikavolts <laughs> down and start setting up those backup attackers i think that's where you get kind of sketchy where it's like okay the meta has shifted just slightly away from palky and maybe a little bit more toward arceus based decks particularly the the non intellion based arceus decks right yes um and i think we've seen a, a huge shift in that direction particularly with arceus is you know kind of giving up on the intellion engine and playing either only attackers or playing attacker plus b barrel Yes, and then kind of an offshoot of that uh, is that there's just more raw supporters in those lists. Yep, and so a lot more. <laughs> right, right, yeah, uh, almost infinitely more. No, um, but you're you're having maybe double, triple the amount of just hard supporters because with the Intel line, obviously you're you're planning on fishing those out when you need them, but with the Bibero line, you need to draw into them. So that's kind of that side effect, right? That soft counter. That yeah. we kind of talk about to the Vigavolt deck is just having more hard copies of supporters. Absolutely. Absolutely. One other deck, we didn't write this one down, but I figured we'd be remiss not to talk about it, especially in the single prize space. We have Reggie. Mm. What do you think about the merits of Reggie versus Radiant Charizard as a single prize archetype? Reggie certainly, I think, will be popular. I think that um, it showed itself to be a solid deck at Worlds and. The thing that scares me is that, of course, you're not going to have the greatest matchup into a flying Pikachu, which I could see a lot of players just copy-pasting or kind of cloning the idea of Arceus flying Pikachu and maybe making a couple of changes. But that's just going to be a tough matchup. No matter how you swing it, you could maybe try to you know, fit in a couple extra escape rope or do... I don't know. There's, there's a few different things that you can try to do with the Reggie deck, but ultimately... If you're facing a lot of Pikachu decks over the course of the day, probably won't be a good day for you. Fair enough. I think the Pikachu you could beat a couple if you got yeah, the four no, escape I'm, rope I don't version. think it's I don't think it's the worst. Like I don't think it's a horrible matchup. It's just not one that you're really that excited about. Seeing. Yeah, you're definitely not. You're definitely not hitting them with the hip hip hooray <laughs> when you see it. <laughs> what else is jumping on your radar, JW? I have been loving playing the Mew list without Meloetta. I recently made a video on it. I have been playing it on the ladder to do just, I don't know, some testing with friends, or I guess not on the ladder, but I've been testing with some friends with it. I've been playing it on the tournaments to accrue some packs of the new set. 
and it's just been a blast to play. I feel like it's really, we talk about Mew as being kind of hit and miss and like, okay, it's really good if you can get your turn one battle passes, but you can kind of struggle sometimes when, you know, you, you just don't draw that well in the early game, but this is just kind of that souped up version of Mew VMAX and you're just foregoing anything Meloetta, none of the Elisa Sparkle, none of the Fusion Strike Energy, no Meloetta, and you're just focusing on Mew. And I think what you bring there is a deck that's going to do everything it wants to do every single game. Um, and a deck that's really good at beating V-based decks. Yeah. Because what you'll often do is, especially if you go first, if you go first with the deck, I think I would take that Mew deck over anything. But you go first with the deck, you can usually knock out their active V. You know, be it an Arceus or whatever backup attacker they have. So knock out their active V. They bring up a V-Star, right? Either the Palkia V-Star, Arceus V-Star, whatever other V-Star they bring up. And you can usually go through that. And it's it is relatively easy. I find in the other version uh, with the Meloetta that you're often burning more resources. In this version, because you have a lot of extra draw, you don't necessarily have to burn your... Um, your power tablets for some reason the way the deck's built you can hold on to those power tablets and it's a lot easier to just get the you know to 280 or 310 whatever you need to do on that next turn to knock out your opponent's v-star and then you just have to bring another one back from the dead <laughs> with a an echoing horn and just gust that thing up and then you have your you know that's your six prizes there so i find it really really good into those v-based decks and so it's just super consistent. I like it a lot. What would be a reason that you would play Radiant Charizard over Mew or vice versa? I think if so the main the main reason would be time. I'm not necessarily the fastest player. Um, I'm not the slowest player, but I, I, if there's a deck that's a lot of decision making, like a Charizard, it'll just take me a little bit. You know, I, I'm 30 years old now, so you can, you know, <laughs> your me mental some faculties are quickly deteriorating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As well as my physical. You know, it's like um, my my poor aching <laughs> joints when I'm trying to shuffle the deck. You know, it's hard out here. Hang it on. <laughs> but time is certainly a factor with these lists. Mew, I feel very confident that I could probably play five games in 50 minutes but <laughs> with the charizard that's deck, cap bro i okay fair enough but you you see what i'm saying like i feel yeah. very confident that i can get a series done within the time right. allotted with the charizard deck i'm looking to like you know win a win a long game one and then let the chips fall where they may for a game two you know and and your opponent's gonna have to take six prizes so there's a good shot if that first game takes 35 minutes take a couple minutes to shuffle that that second game is not going to finish in time and yeah. so you're going to probably be going to time a lot with that deck um and certainly if you lose a game like you are going to be just like trying to fly through trying to finish a game so that's where i would say is kind of the difference is like if you feel very comfortable with the list and at this point if you're trying to make that decision oh jw said to play you know, the Radiant Charizard deck because it's his choice. Well, like, if you have not practiced with that deck yet, then please do not take it because there's a lot of things that go on with the list. But, um, you know, if I was trying to decide, like, uh, Mew versus Charizard, I'd have to weigh the pros and cons of being able to finish my sets in, in an appropriate amount of time. 
Yeah, I mean, that's always a valid consideration in terms of the Pokemon trading card game. I do think that the new Mew deck is really, really good. Um, playing the tech supporters to like help draw things like Avery or uh, Heavier Silene, things like that, all really, really cool. And the whole engine is just a, a little bit smoother than the average Mew deck. I can't tell you the amount of times I've been clogged up with, you know, all my Elises are in my hand or... I have a couple fusion energy in my hand and now I can't do anything. Um, it just feels really dinky sometimes with the other Mew deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically all you're really, you don't really get the 280 with Melobetta too often anymore these days. You could, of course, it can always happen, but more realistically, you're using Melobetta early to take those early knockouts against, against Palkia and Arceus. And from there, you're really just relying into the VMAX to clean the game up. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it's just more about that turn one potential, it feels like. Sure. Absolutely. I think I would actually preferentially take Mew just because I've been playing a lot of Mew lately mm-hmm. and have reached kind of similar conclusions to you. And I don't feel confident enough that I could pilot Charizard efficiently at its top yeah. capacity. I could probably do it, but it would. My Raihan turn might yeah. take a little while. Yeah. <laughs> certainly certainly yeah i mean that's a classic deck where it's like you got to know when to scoop you know we talk about that as being a skill at the pokemon trading card game but um, i think i think the two the two important skills that as i play more and more that are just becoming more apparent are knowing when to scoop you know we talk about that a lot but then also just playing your games fast you know i i've really tried actively to get into a habit of playing games faster where i'm you know, we talked about this on the cast, thinking about my turn when it's my opponent's turn. So I just know, boom, 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 I go here, 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 and then can do it all real quick. And then just in the games, just doing game actions faster, you know, shuffling faster, um, whatever it is, just to make sure that I have enough time to finish these games. I think that's really, really important. Not playing too fast that you're making mistakes, but playing fast enough that you're not going to go to time every single round. Yeah, I agree. Those incremental changes too, like just polishing up your shuffle game just a little bit adds up a ton over the course of a tournament, you know, how much time you bought yourself. Mm-hmm. So totally agree with that. Got Jolly Flyman in the chat asking, four ropes, two, two splits with nets or just nets for Baltimore Reggies? I think ropes, personally. Just play the ropes. ropes. I think ropes. It's a little disruptive for your opponent. It gets you flying Pikachu outs. Basically all you need at that point. Awesome. Any other insightful wisdom heading into Baltimore? I don't think so. I mean, the meta is really solidified itself. I mean, we've been talking about what is that next step, and the two decks that we've outlined certainly are those next steps. Palkia feels like a great deck still. It was a great deck for Worlds. I think it's going to be a great deck heading forward, although I I don't know. I I would be just a little bit worried about, you know, just not hitting those battle VIP passes on the first turn when you need them, and if you don't, then your deck kind of falters a little bit. That's just what frustrates me about the Palkia deck most games. And then I think that Arceus Pikachu is a great choice. You know, if you're thinking about playing the copy-paste list from the World Champion, Andre Skubal, then go for it. That's what I say. Like that deck <laughs> was very good. Our group brought it. Um, you know, I played a top 
64. It got the top three spots <laughs> at Worlds. Like, that deck is just good. And then the only question you have to ask yourself is, do you think that there are going to be more Arceus players, thus you play the Decidueye, or do you think that there will be, um, you know, an influx of Mew players, and you play the Crobat package? But I think that that list in general or that that concept that archetype is really strong right now and if you're thinking about playing that i think that's a great choice agreed agreed all right i think uh the doors are open now for baltimore hopefully you have a sense of what you're playing <laughs> by this point in the game but if you didn't hopefully we helped and now it's time for our card of the day absolutely yeah so i was thinking about dragon archetypes and i was thinking about cards that i've played in the past um, just because we have the new giratina of course we're going to be talking about lost origin here on the second half of the podcast i was thinking about what would be a fun little card that i could highlight. love a fun little card i i love a fun little card as well and so there's a card it's a dragon type it does have a weakness to fairy oh and it's from burning shadows it's a stage one and it has an item lock attack stage one dragon with an item lock attack stage burning shadows was it ever played? Like yes, yes. Oh, it's a uh, Neuver yes. GX. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. It was played. It was played. So distort. I mean, this. It's kind of funny because it it was played, but it was never played with Neubad. <laughs> it, it was played primarily in the Mewtwo, uh, in Mew tag team GX decks. But the Neuvern for two energy had this distort attack. If you've been playing Pokemon for any amount of time, you'll know that these types of attacks are very disruptive. It says your opponent can't play any item cards from their hand during their next turn. So historically has been quite good. We've seen this, uh, you know, a level of dominance from this type of attack back when Seismitoad EX was a major player. <laughs> now it's maybe a little bit weaker just because they don't often give these types of attacks too much... Um, you know, attacking power. So, you know, you look at and you say, well, why isn't Vikavolt doing well? It does the same thing. Well, the HP is a lot more and the damage potential has kind of stayed relatively the same. Yeah. So, uh, but Distort, 50 damage, can't play any item cards. And it was used primarily with Mewtwo and Mew um, in the expanded format. I remember playing it in the expanded format. That was a lot of fun. And you could just copy that as kind of an early game disruption while you get your field perfectly set up and then you can go into your other better attacks but uh, that was a really fun one i love the neuvern gx yeah i tried a couple of times to make like a neuvern garb type of deck work too in standard format when that card was legal never was quite good enough but the card was really fun to play and neuvern's a cool pokemon i don't know i think it's cool well noi bat is one of my favorite pokemon they actually called me i have one of my nicknames is <laughs> noi bat kid <laughs> big noi bat head for yeah, sure I'm a huge noi bat fan <laughs> that's awesome that's an excellent choice for card of the day the stage one almost tricked me because i forgot that gx's were technically considered stage ones <laughs> true yeah I, we should 
hopefully see a return to these evolving two prizers well we will see your return well i I don't know is it confirmed or is it just teased i think it's confirmed okay i think the magazine said stage two well i know i know it did but that doesn't necessarily mean that it evolves from a non-two prize oh yeah i guess so it would be really odd though if they use the exact same verbiage listen i completely agree but (laughs) okay as long as we're on the same page it would be very (laughs) odd if they did that Awesome. Well, before we jump into Lost Origin, why don't we take a moment to thank our sponsor in Manscaped. Manscaped has been supporting the podcast for a really long time here. If you've been listening, you're well aware. And we're so excited to have them as part of the Tag Team Podcast because they have really awesome stuff. GW and I are both avid fans of many of their different products. We've tried many of them out now and can advocate fully for their quality and efficacy. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the boxers. JW loves the ear and nose hair trimmers as he's getting older that will only get more important. (laughs) And as you head to these Pokemon events, you want to be clean, you want to be fresh, you want to be looking and smelling good. And the great news is you can head on over to manscaped.com, just run over to their website. And when that discount code option pops up at checkout, if you use the code tag team, you will not only get 20% off, but you'll also get free shipping. So really awesome deal. And thank you so much to Manscaped for supporting the cast. Yeah, of course, of course. Head on over there. I, for the longest time, was like, well, I should probably get an electric razor. And then this Manscaped partnership came about, and I finally got one, and I used it. I was like, wow, (laughs) where has this been all my life? So if you want to get in on... Uh, some great products, really, really high quality, nice products. Been using them now for uh, the better part of the year. Last year, head on over to manscaped.com. Use code tag team at checkout. 20% off plus free shipping. Would it just recommend you guys go check it out? It's been uh, great products. Very, very helpful. Manscaped.com. Code tag team. 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. All right. As my cats try to kill each other. We have Lost Origin. (laughs) Lost Origin, new set. It's already dropped on TCGO. It's not legal yet for Baltimore, so don't play it there. Even the alternate arts, don't play them in Baltimore. It's not allowed. That's kind of silly, but I I do agree that ruling is very silly, and I'm pretty sure it's it's not how it used to be. But it's fine. Regardless. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to... I'm not going to fight the death it's over a, this one. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a very like niche <laughs> thing to be angry about, but it is interesting. There is a lot of cool new stuff in Lost Origin. Most prominently, the comfy engine that is mm-hmm. featured in a variety of the decks that we'll be talking about here today. So we're going to give some initial thoughts about some of the top archetypes that people are looking at coming out of Lost Origin. And... You know, some preliminary high-level stuff of what we might consider heading into Peoria testing. So, Jay, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, there's been a lot of new archetypes that I've been really impressed with. And I think that the Lost Origin set in general 
it brings out a lot of these new archetypes, but in a way that allows them to be integrated with current archetypes. And, you know, you look at a card like Kyrim being able to attach to any Pokemon or the Mirage Gate being able to attach energy to any Pokemon. And those open up new avenues for players to utilize these new engines with existing cards, right? You're not looking at kind of a self-encapsulated deck, something like a Mew deck, where it's like, okay, these cards only really work together in their own archetype and can't be spread out. But you have these other cards from Lost Origin that very much can be played in a variety of ways with only new cards or mixing with some of the old cards. So one of these uh, types of decks that I like that incorporates both old and new cards is the Kyrim deck. And it's one that I think has a lot of potential. We've been seeing Kyrim. Um, Is it as... Kyrim or Kyrim? I think it's Kyrim. Have you ever seen the anime? Is the anime objectively correct? <laughs> I, no, I don't know. What is it? Uh, I don't know. It's spelled Kyrim, isn't it? Kyrim? Ky <laughs> <laughs> You're so unable to. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure it's Kyrim, though. <laughs> Okay, well, we could go with Kiram. That's fine. You you already you already uh, hated me out of saying Duraludon, uh, so <laughs> Kiram. Oh, okay, fine. Kiram, Vmax. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I think it's Kiram. Well, somebody can somebody can DM us on Twitter. <laughs> but Kiram, Vmax being played with Palkia and Smarangaru. And so you're just trying to like stack your deck with the water energies. I've been really impressed. One of the things about Kiram that's better than Ice Rider uh, that I think is probably its biggest positive is that it has an uncapped damage. Yeah. So the Ice Rider, you needed the choice belt and you needed to discard two energy in order to be able to do 280. And that's a good number. You're knocking out V stars. But if they're playing V maxes, then your Ice Rider doesn't do a ton. Uh, you know, not enough to get over that that uh, VMAX threshold of HP. And if they play something like Big Charm or um, some other way to reduce damage, then your Ice Rider is not going to be taking those knockouts. So I like the Kiram because it has that uncapped damage potential. Now you really have to kind of shift the deck, I think, with... with Ice Rider, Palkia, you could maybe get away with uh, just different counts in the list, but with the Kyrim, you have to play, um, you know, you have to play a full count of Melanie. There's just no getting around that just because you need to replenish your energy. You have to discard three energy from the Kyrim to do 270 damage, which is not that threshold, but you could have a choice belt attached. Uh, you could do a Zigzagoon thing, um, or you could just discard four energy and mm. do a little bit of overkill. Um, but I do like that it has that uncapped damage potential. I think that's what makes it, you know, makes it very interesting and maybe makes it a little bit better than the Ice Rider. Obviously, as well, you have the ability, right? So being able to... Yeah, that's going to gonna be what I was going to call out. Being able to accelerate to yourself or other Pokemon is really great without being forced to use in water decks the Palkia V-Star. So I think there's a lot of things going for the Kyrim deck, Kyrim deck. And I'm excited to play more of it. It's a deck that I've I've seen a lot of. I've played a handful of times, but I want to really dive into it because I think there's a lot of different avenues that you can go. I'm I'm really excited to maybe try Kiram 
without the Palkia. We've been seeing a lot with Palkia. I think it could maybe just be a standalone because it can accelerate to itself. Uh, I don't necessarily think that Palkia adds, like, it, it adds, <laughs> but does it add enough to the deck where, you know, maybe those spaces could be used for making it a little bit more consistent. I don't know. Still trying to play around with that deck, but that's one that I'm looking at heading into Peoria as a deck that's high on the list to test. Yeah, I, th I think Hiram is, is pretty good for a lot of the same reasons that Ice Rider is good, but it has some, you know, some of those ancillary benefits where its damage can be uncapped. It can go beyond that threshold. And if the fact it has that self-acceleration which removes a little bit of the pressure to always have the long combos in hand because you can at least get to some smaller damage numbers a little more self-sustainingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you can do things like, I don't know, Cheryl, right? Like that's something that the Ice Rider deck could just never do because they were always discarding their energy and they only had one time uh, to get back energy with... Yeah without using a supporter in the Palkia V-Star power. So you can do just different things with the list. You can you can play your Cheryl's as just an example, but there are just some auxiliary benefits over Ice Rider, kind of like you were, you were talking about there. Absolutely. The next deck that I was thinking we could talk about was going to be the single prize Lost Zone style decks. These have taken a couple of different directions as people have tried new things. I think there's really two main ways that are prevailing now to play this deck. The first is a heavy reliance on the amazing Reshiram to do that 270 damage. And then you have the uh, more Cramorant focused versions of the deck where you clean up with Radiant Charizard in the end game here main idea of the deck is that you rely heavily on the comfy to draw cards quickly through your deck between the comfy and the chorus engine you then unlock other lost zone oriented cards you have the cramorant which can attack for free 110 damage you can even increase that with cards like articuno uh, you have the sableye for one energy if you have what is it nine cards in the lost zone you it's it's 10 cards 10. And you can do you can place 12, 12 damage, damage counters. counters yep so you can knock out two sobbles you can knock out a drizzle and half a sobble <laughs> yeah. uh, you can make some creative plays with the sableye pushing those damage counters out um very reminiscent of like blacephalon but with less restrictions on it Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can finally, once you've gone gone through all of that stuff, you can start attacking with Radiant Charizard to clean up the game. And Radiant Charizard obviously is a powerful card, considering we just advocated for it for Baltimore. Yeah. So that's my preferred way to play the deck currently. I think the amazing Rushram version is a little more gimmicky in in its actual execution. There's there's also another version that I'd like to call out. So yeah, yeah we've, we've outlined those two, um, but just the straight water energy version. So the idea here is that you can utilize Radiant Greninja not only as draw, but as an yeah. attacker. And you can dimensionate so, onto it. Right, exactly. So that's that's a, uh, that's a another option there. Of course, the, the Mirage Gate being able to attach two different types of basic energy to your Pokemon. So you could theoretically Radiant Greninja multiple times, you know, that, that thing's a little, a little <laughs> pipsqueak. So it's probably getting knocked out, but the idea is still there is that, nice. you know, if you're playing the mirror, that's a really solid strategy going after a couple of Comfey or Sableyes or whatever they, your opponent has on the bench. 
Um, and then even in V matchups where they don't yeah. have any healing, you know, you can set up some some good plays because the Cramorant and the Sableye themselves don't have a lot of you know strength. They're not one shotting anything, right? So you're you're playing the six prize game where you're saying, okay, I'm gonna attack you know five times probably with these with these dudes <laughs> to try to take all my prizes um that rating greenwich can kind of um accelerate things a little bit and, and you also play things like you know uh, you could play like a raikou you could play a snorlax as well there's yeah. some other options so i think we have three ways right now that we're seeing the comb fade deck to, to bring this all full circle i agree with you on the reshiram the amazing rare reshiram that that is a little bit gimmicky and just does a little bit too much when you have a card like radiant charizard and yeah that's have, always my thoughts right. charizard just does it better it just does it better Sim uh, plain and simple so and then you have your radiant charizard version which is very solid but i think loses a little bit of that consistency that uh, a deck with radiant greninja brings right because you can oh, just inherently draw through the deck a little bit more and i find that the problem with these style of decks is that because you need to attack from you can give yourself like turn two on you know obviously you can get a turn one attack if you get a chorus and a couple of comb phase to put cards in the lost zone. But if you can attack from turn two on, like if you do not get that turn two attack, you're not hitting for one shots. So I find that if you're not finding those chorus in the early game, that can really spell disaster for a deck totally. like this. If you're not able to get the Comfey out and you're not able to put enough in the discard to get Cramorants going. Yeah, I think I think you, you nailed it pretty well where the deck, especially the single prize versions, need a pretty explosive early game, or at least explosive enough to sustain themselves forward uh, because they don't have the luxury of being able to sacrifice too many turns before they can no longer reasonably attack out of the game from there. Um, that's a little bit in contrast to maybe some of the other Lost Zone decks that could maybe sacrifice one additional turn uh, because they will tank a couple hits in the case of Gudra, or because they'll almost guaranteed take a knockout that turn in the case of Giratina. Yeah, definitely. So that's just something that, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a cool deck. If you hit Colors ex Experiment in the first couple of turns, and if you don't, you're kind of, you can be kind of scrambling and wasting a lot of resources trying to go for Comfey, trying <laughs> to power up your Cramorant, and then Cramorant doesn't really do enough to threaten your opponent's V Pokemon. Yeah, um, you know, you have to attack three times with Cramorant, so like that's kind of a struggle. So it's it's a good deck. I don't want to say oh this is a bad deck, but that's kind of the weakness of the deck is that you're just not doing enough damage, uh, or at least enough damage like that that I would want to be doing. You know, you're not you're not two shotting the V stars, which I think, um, you know, is just really important in the in this V centralized metagame to be to be two shotting V stars. I think is is extremely important. So. I, I like think another thing just worth not calling out is, uh, sorry to interrupt you. You're good. I think another thing worth calling out is, you know, if you compare a comfy to a card like Jirachi from Team Up, right, where you're trying to like switch between them and get maximum value and dig deep into your deck, the comfy, you know, technically it's like doing more raw digging where you're like, you know, actually just going through cards in order in your deck repeatedly. But a card like Jirachi was more effective at like actually getting you the cards that you need <laughs> in the moment. Mm -hmm. And one of the worst parts about playing a card like Comfy 
is where you just end up like burning a million switch cards to keep going between the comfies and not actually producing like any advancement of your board state um and that's something i've seen happen at least in my experience like quite a few times with these mm -hmm. comfy kind of decks mm -hmm. is just digging and digging and digging and eventually maybe you hit it but you know then your resources are so burned through because you're lost zoning half of them right absolutely yeah the deck the deck really doesn't it needs to use comfy but it doesn't want to use comfy right it you're lost owning half of the resources of the top two cards that you find so there are times there where it gets really awkward where you have to decide between you know you're one of ordinary rod or you're one of boss's orders and it's just like well there's no good answer here because i only play one copy of each <laughs> yeah. and so i have to make this very suboptimal choice at least with the colrus's experiment you have a little bit more wiggle room you can right. lost on a few extra cards whatever it doesn't really matter but yeah that's been a situation that i found myself in a lot is like okay yeah i'm i'm gonna come it, it feels really good now and then i look at my top two cards and they are less than stellar <laughs> options so let's talk then about some of the other top decks coming out of lost origin we hit the single prize box have some mixed feelings on it we hit curum sounds like we're pretty warm on it what's another deck that you have your eye on so i've been playing a lot of zork and i am i'm unimpressed i think the deck is good i don't think it's any worse than tier two um but you definitely need to be playing into a two prize metagame so if you're playing these one prize decks that can get really sour really quickly um because the deck just kind of can fold to like a radiant charizard um, in the sense that you're damaging your own dudes so the radiant charizard you know it has 270 hp on the zork Radiant Charizard can come in and, and clean up pretty easily, you know, if you have a couple damage counters from a Gapejaw Bog on your Zorark. Yeah. But um, I've been really unimpressed. So Zorark, for those that, that don't know what this card does, Zorark has a, an attack that does 50 damage times the amount of Pokemon that have damage counters on them, on your side of the field. So you're, like, inherently bringing up these Zorarks that are damaged. And that is, you know already it has 270 which is on the low hp side of v stars and then you're trying to get a damage counter on it so one of the hardest things is to try to keep these zorks alive long enough to have enough of an impact and that's especially hard with these one prize decks um specifically the the radiant charizards that can you know one shot you turn after turn um and then just finding double turbos are difficult and the list that I've been playing, and I'm really open to Zark being incredible, built some other way. But in the list that I've been running, I've been playing four double turbos. And that can just be tough to, if your opponent takes knockouts, which which most decks can do on your Zorks. I mean, you think about a Palkia deck, right? You're filling your bench Zork's not to try to one-shot really their stuff. Hits. Right, exactly. It's not really tanking hits. So you need to find those double turbos really fast. And if you don't, that's a problem. And so there are other ways to play Zork. And, you know, there's the one that I've heard a lot is with Melanie and powerful colorless energy. And powerful colorless can help you reach some of those higher numbers uh, because, you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult to get to the, to the knockouts of, of V maxes. You need six Pokemon with damage counters and a choice belt. Um, and you need the Halucha. So that can be kind of tough. 
Um, but, uh, you know, maybe there's another way around it. So maybe the Melanie version I haven't tried yet. Uh, but I'm open to that being potentially a little bit better because hopefully, <laughs> you know, you're not relying just on the double turbos to, to take your knockouts. Yeah, I think I think I largely agree with you on Zorark. It feels like a deck where, you know, if everybody was playing just an honest two-prize metagame and yeah. trading knockouts, that Zorark would have potential... And it, you know, it still does have potential is what I would describe it as. But, you know, you look at Palkia, the premier two prize attacking deck and Palkia, if they go first, they will just win (laughs) because Mm -hmm. they do the same strategy as you and you feed into their strategy almost because you're filling your bench. Um, If you're into Arceus, then yeah, you can go to town on them if they don't have a good answer. But then there's also all these single prize decks that we just talked about, which feast on decks like Zorark that are super straightforward in their execution and don't really have many tricks to them. So I don't know. I don't see why at the moment you would choose Zorark over necessarily another multi-prize one-hit KO deck at the moment. As it's being experimented with right now, I'm not sold. Yeah, same. So I'm kind of cool on that. That's not something that I'm going to be testing particularly heavy. It's not. It's a deck that I'm going to let the first regional, probably let the first regionals kind of sort out its place in the metagame. Uh, maybe let online events kind of sort out where it stands. But like we said, probably a good deck into a more V, V-star-based metagame, but against anything Palkia or, um, um, you know, one prize. Yeah. I just wouldn't wouldn't be about it. <laughs> I agree. So to round off the episode today, there's two new dragon cards, and really any dragon Pokemon V or V Max is a good candidate for use with the Mirage Gate. Uh, but we have the Giratina V Star and the Gudra V Star, the Suing Gudra V Star, both entering the scene, kind of doing opposite strategies where Gudra's trying to tank and heal, and Giratina is trying to do one shots and everything in front of it how are we thinking about the new dragons some of my initial takes is gudra is decent but you know if you pull off like a cross switcher boss play then you just really ruin their day mm. and giratina i'm not 100 percent sold on but i think it's okay okay yeah i i don't know i a lot of me wants these decks to be good. The Giratina, it seems to me, is better with Arceus than just on its own. I'm really open to being wrong on that, but um, it just feels like, you know, you're trying to set up behind the Comfies and you're trying to get the Colruses to get your Lost Zone stuff set up. But if your opponent can disrupt that strategy, if they can gust up a Giratina that you're trying to set up before you're ready to start swinging with it, that can be really troublesome. I just feel like the one prize decks maybe do the Lost Zone a little bit better. So Giratina seems like it just is a better yeah. um, Arceus partner right now. Um, and again, I'm, I'm very open to being wrong on that, but that's just kind of where I've been um, seeing it have the, some you know significant success. I, I think that's true and fair um gustavo did just top the late night with uh with a comfy giratina list so mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. interested to to try that out a little bit and see you know how that works but i think fundamentally i agree with you where 
it feels like the single prize decks just execute on comfy a little bit more in line with what comfy's trying to do <laughs> right um and giratina is something that can slot into like an arceus deck as just a finisher um or alternatively you could just play like Kurim or palkia instead to one shot stuff <laughs> right. Right. and that's that's kind of my beef with all the multi-prize pokemon that are trying to do one shots is you have to you have to sell yourself above palk you know yes definitely and I don't know if the Lost Origin one-shot Pokemon, besides maybe Curum, have really made a case for themselves as being well, better than Palkia. And that's the thing is, like, with the Palkia, you you just more or less know what you're getting. You know, on that turn two, you're more than likely going to be able to do the 220 that you need. But then you have all these Lost Zone decks that you you really need to find those Chorus's experiment to get <laughs> enough cards in the Lost Zone. So you're already putting yourself on a more than likely like two turn three turn clock right it's it's just a longer clock on average than a palkia deck to get meaningful damage on your opponent's side of the board so yeah. it it I, I agree there where it's like well it can happen and if everything goes right then you're probably a stronger deck but i think on average a deck like palkia can just get set up faster and then you look at the lost zone decks where they're trying to kind of fill their bench with different attackers and comfies and that plays right into a deck like palkia's strength yeah. so uh, that just seems really tough for these lost zone decks yeah i i totally agree i i think if if you're trying to do like 280 or so damage you have to have a case for why you're better than palkia and if you're trying to do more than that damage then that's when you can maybe like start to waver a little bit mm-hmm. yeah what about gudra yeah, Gudra, I'm just less fond of than Giratina. I think the one thing Gudra has going for it is it shares an energy type with Radiant Greninja. Uh, so you can also do like Radiant Greninja into Gudra plays to get that like perfect ish 290 math um, 200 from the Gudra and the 90 from the Radiant Greninja. And then you can kind of like tank and, and heal from there. I think that's the one cool thing that Gudra has going for it, but otherwise, I think it's a little less reliable as a strategy on the whole than, again, like some of these other Lost Zone decks. And the same thing I alluded to earlier, where, you know, if your bench is too full and Palkia cross switcher bosses you and takes out your Gudra, for example, you usually can't do much more after that. <laughs> yeah, you're all in on that one, one Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. At least usually you are. You know, sometimes it, the cards play just right or you can fit into but i don't know i i think that's my my beef with gudra well i do still think with all of these decks there's a lot of depth here that we're we haven't quite explored just because the format's so early but i think yeah, there's absolutely. a lot of cards there's a lot of cards here that are very cool very interesting and will make for a better format just overall you have a lot of these cards particularly the mirage gate that i look at as being cards that can enable some cards that we maybe haven't seen in the past um, that are still yet to be explored so here on the cast we're going to be testing all this next week i have a little bit of extra time here on the paternity leaf hoping to get some good games in over the next (laughs) week and be able to report back here next wednesday excellent well, we're super excited, as we've been saying, to dive into this season. To those of you who are going to the Baltimore Regional Championship, good luck. JW and I will not be there this weekend, but we will be in Peoria at the end of the month here. 
We're looking forward to seeing you all and playing some more poke. And if in the meantime, you want to check us out, you can find us on our social media platforms, namely Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Tag Team Pokemon. You can follow JW at Real John Walter. And you can find myself at Smouse Throuse. We'd love, love, love to have you guys check us out over there on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening to the cast. I'm hyped for Lost Origin, man. It feels like a breath of fresh air. It's time to make it happen. We hope you all have a great rest of your week, and we'll check in next time with some Lost Origin updates. Peace. See you.